0: Hi friends, this is Will Dyer, the pastor here at the First Baptist Church of Augusta. Welcome to our podcast. I hope the message that you are about to hear will give you some joy in your day. But more than that, I hope that this message will connect you to Jesus. The mission of our church is to connect people to Jesus Christ in a community of faith. And it is my greatest hope that the message you are about to hear will better connect you with Jesus and His way in the world. My friends, I want to invite you to turn with me in your Bibles this morning to Proverbs chapter 17. And in just a moment, we will read verse 9. We're continuing on in our series this morning, Wisdom for the Way, where we are looking at how this year... Can be our best year yet. And if you've missed any of the sermons so far, just go to our website, discoverfbc.org, or you can download our podcast through any of the major podcast providers. But today we're continuing on in our second part of this series about the power of words. And it's good for us to begin by reading from Proverbs chapter 17, verse 9. The Proverbs say, one who forgives an affront Fosters friendship, but one who dwells on disputes will alienate a friend. Hmm. So, as I was preparing for this sermon series, one of the things that I wanted to do was to pay attention to some of the phrases that I heard out in pop culture, some of the things that I listen to you guys say on a daily basis. And what I found was absolutely fascinating because some of you, uh, you use incredibly kind words like please and thank you. That is part of your lexicon. That's part of the way that you speak every single day. Uh, Interestingly, one of the phrases that I heard not too long ago, when a kid had messed up, he, this person talking about this kid who had messed up, they said this. They said, well, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. <laughs> Fascinating phrase. A few times recently, particularly with Southern women, what I have heard them say is, well, bless their heart. And then they go on to describe someone and something that they've done. What I figured out is to say the words, bless their heart, is just a kind way to introduce the trashing that is about to happen next. Yeah, those phrases come off of our tongues pretty easily. And then there are phrases that are just so easy for us to say. They come natural to us as human beings. I love you. Yeah. To say to our children as they're laying down at night, good night, sleep tight, I'll see you in the morning. Those words come easy and they flow genuinely off of our lips. And remember what we said last week, friends, is that words can create worlds, that words have the power to open up new possibilities for us. So so I wanted to focus on not only the words and the phrases that we say easily, but also to ask the question, what are the phrases that we struggle to say? And again, and again, and again, I kept this one phrase in mind because so seldom do we hear it because, friends, it's a difficult thing to say, and it's this. I think three of the most difficult words in the English language, in fact. I forgive you. I forgive you. We live in a world where far too rarely do we hear those three words, I forgive you, and yet they have the power to create a better world. And so I wonder, why is it that we struggle so much to say those words? I'm I'm sorry, yes, but I forgive you. Why is that such a struggle for us? And on the one hand, I think for some of us, we don't like to say, I forgive you because of our pride. Because it's a difficult thing to swallow your pride and to say, look, I know you've done me wrong, and I forgive you. For many of us, we were raised in a world where forgiveness is a sign of weakness. That's not something that we are supposed to do. Yeah. I know for me, my dad, one of the things he taught me was if someone punches you, well, what do you do? You punch them back. (laughs) And how does that square with the teaching of Jesus where he says if someone hits you on the right cheek, then turn the other to them as well? Yeah, many of us, friends, we don't like to say I forgive you because of our pride. But then others of us, if we're going to be honest, it's because of our childishness. We don't like to say I forgive you because really we can be incredibly childish. If you have spent any time with little kids recently, and I have spent a lot of time with little kids recently because school has been virtual. And undoubtedly, at least once every single day, my two oldest girls get into a fight and I have to march them together and I put them in front of each other and I say, all right, make this right. And begrudgingly, one will say to the other, I'm sorry. And what has almost happened every single time is the response to I'm sorry has been, I don't forgive you. And I will not be your best friend anymore. Yeah. And I wish I could say that only happens with children, but you and I both know that it happens with adults. Part of the reason, friends, that we don't like to say, I forgive you, why those words are so hard for us is in part because of our pride and it's in part because of our childishness. But, but I think this is probably true, not just for some of us, but for all of us. And the real reason I think that so many people have a difficult time saying those words, I forgive you, is because for all of us, it's hard to forgive Because the pain we have experienced in life, it is real. The pain we have experienced because of a relationship with another human being, it is real and it is significant. And so it isn't easy for us to say, I forgive you. Forgiveness is hard because the pain is real. Far too many of us know about the spouse that just walked out the door and left you all alone. <laughs> Far too many of us know that feeling when a friend that you've counted on and relied on says something about you or stabs you in the back and leaves you wondering, how am I going to move forward? Some of you are watching and you know the experience of being in a relationship, a business relationship with a friend, someone you could trust and someone you loved, and then they leave you hanging high and dry. Those words, I forgive you, they are difficult to say because the pain is all too real. And yet, yet, if we want to live well in 2021, If we want this year to be our best year yet, then what we know from the proverb that we read just a moment ago is that forgiveness, the ability to say to the other, I forgive you, it is essential. It's essential for us to forgive. And not only does Solomon say it in this proverb, but it's all throughout the whole of the story of Jesus. If Jesus talks about it once, he talks about it a hundred times. And in one of my favorite examples... There's this guy, Peter, Peter, who is the right hand man of Jesus. He's the chief of staff, basically, of the disciples. He comes to Jesus one day and he says, hey, Jesus, I've got a question for you. How many times must I forgive someone who has done me wrong? And before Jesus has time to answer, Peter speaks up and he says, seven times? I'll forgive seven times. Now, why the number seven? In Jewish theology of the time, uh, the number seven was a number of completeness. God created the expanse of the universe in seven days. Seven was the perfect number. And and so Peter thinks he is being upstanding and good and right when he says, how many times should I forgive? The answer is seven, right, Jesus? And Jesus looks at Peter You can imagine with a smile on his face and he says, Peter, not just seven, but 70 times seven. Now, some of my religious friends, what they like to do is take a step back and go, "Okay, so I have to forgive 490 times. Is that the answer? And if that's what you think, then friends, you are missing the point. Because Jesus is saying forgiveness is not just something you do once or twice, but forgiveness is something you do to the point where you're no longer keeping count, but it is part and parcel of the fabric of who we are. How much should I forgive, Peter says, seven times. And Jesus says, if you're keeping count, then you have missed the plot line. It's not about once or twice, but forgiveness. Uttering those profound words is part of what it means to live well, to live fully alive. Paul, one of the earliest followers of Jesus who wrote a lot of the New Testament, he, in one of his letters to this church at Ephesus, he, and it's not just to one church, but it's to a number of churches in that area, he's talking to them about how they should follow Jesus well how they should go out and share His goodness and His love all throughout creation. And He says this in Ephesians 4.32, uh, Be kind and tender-hearted to one another. If you want to know how to follow Jesus well, it begins here. Be kind and be tender-hearted to each other. And then He says this, Forgive each other just as Christ has forgiven you. Forgive each other just as Christ has forgiven you. If we want to live well, if we want this year to be the best year we have ever had, then we need to come to grips with those words, I forgive you, to understand the power that they have. Because when we say those words... Those three simple words, friends, what we are doing is something incredibly profound. What we are doing is that when we say these words, we are giving the gift of forgiveness that God has already given to us the same love and mercy and compassion that we have received through Jesus Christ. When we say those words, we are giving them freely out into the world. I forgive you. And yes, friends, those words are hard to say. And and for many people, those words are incredibly cheap. But if we want to actually mean them, what does it mean to say, I forgive you? Well, friends, what it means is this. To say, I forgive you is really to say that I wish you well. I wish you well and I pray that good things will come your way. It is to look at someone who has done you wrong and to say, God's grace and God's peace to be with you. (laughs) It's not a cheap gesture but it is something that is absolutely transformative for our life. And I want to talk about the power of forgiveness today because I think really forgiveness and those three words impact two things. They impact other people, but also, and just as importantly, they impact us. That's why we need to work that that phrase into our vocabulary, because it can change others, but also it can change us. There's a story in John's Gospel. Right at the end, Jesus has already uh, gone and given this final goodbye to his disciples, and just as he's getting ready to go to the cross, Peter, again, the right-hand man of Jesus, he stands up and he says, Jesus, I will never leave you. I will never deny you. I will always stick by your side. And Jesus looks at Peter and he says, Peter, before the cock crows three times tonight, or before the cock crows, you will deny me three times. No, I won't, Jesus. I'll never do that to you because I'm your guy and I'm with you all the way until the end. Never, Jesus. But as you read throughout the story, undoubtedly what Jesus said is exactly what happens. Jesus is led off by the authorities on his way to see Pilate. And Peter follows close behind. And they're watching Jesus go to his trial and someone looks at Peter and they say, hey, hey, you're one of Jesus' guys, right? Nope, not me. And someone else says, no, no, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that I saw you. I don't know the man, Peter says. And sure enough, one more time, standing as he watches Jesus, the Christ, go to the cross, someone looks to Peter and they said, aren't you Peter? Aren't you one of Jesus' guys? I've never met the man, Peter says. And at that very moment, the rooster crowed. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the guilt? Can you imagine the shame can you imagine how he would have felt? Because a few minutes earlier, he swore he would never deny Jesus, and that there he stood watching the Lord of creation be crucified, thinking that the story was finally over and he had betrayed the one that he said he loved more than anything else. And so imagine Jesus. Three days in the grave, resurrected to new life, new creation, launched. And in the story in John's gospel, that shame, that guilt that Peter would have carried, it's still there. And now they're eating breakfast together, Jesus and Peter. And they're sharing this meal. And then when the meal is over, no one else around, Jesus looks at Peter. And he asks him a simple question. Peter? Do you love me? Peter, do you love me? You know I love you, Lord. Well then, Peter, feed my sheep. I forgive you. We have work to do, Jesus is saying, do you love me? I know that you do and I know that you're sorry and I forgive you and let's get on with the transformation of the world. That one moment, feed my sheep, I forgive you. And all things were changed. His guilt would have been lifted, his shame taken away. And Peter was never the same again. This man who had denied that he even knew who Jesus was goes on to change the whole course of human history. And it began with those three words, I forgive you. Sometimes forgiveness is about other people. And those stories where we have seen forgiveness extended They stick in our mind and our consciousness and they show us a better way forward. Think about Pope John Paul II. In 1981, an assassin's bullet pierces his body and yet he lives to see another day. And while most of us would have pushed for the death of the one who tried to kill us, what do we see? But Pope John Paul sitting with his assassin. Embracing him and telling him, I love you, God loves you, and I forgive you. Sometimes forgiveness is about other people. And I couldn't help but think about that Amish community in Pennsylvania just a few years ago when a man walks into a schoolhouse with a loaded gun and he kills five Amish schoolchildren. children. And while the rest of the world is enraged and they are angry and they are hell bent on justice, what do we see but these Amish men and women attending the funeral of that killer? Telling his family, It's okay, and I forgive you because forgiveness is a better way forward those stories stick in our mind because they're revolutionary and they're countercultural. sometimes forgiveness is about other people I'll never forget I was 16 years old and when I was in high school I was one of those guys I was sometimes mean I was sometimes a bully I was one of the cool kids And there was another kid in our class and he was bullied and he was mercilessly picked on. And I'll never forget one day he's walking down the hallway just trying to go to his class. And I reached out and I grabbed his book bag just to pull him back and talk to him for a minute, maybe to poke a little fun at the guy in his book bag when I grabbed it it just ripped in two. And his books go falling all over the floor and he ran away, and he hid, and he cried. And I bought him a new book bag, and I went on my way. And then we graduated from high school, and I still continued to think about that moment, and in particular when I began to follow Jesus. And I thought about the moments where I hadn't been the human being that I needed to be. And one day, literally ten years later, I'm back in my hometown, and I'm at Kroger, the grocery store, and I see this guy, the same guy that I pulled his book bag, and I ripped it, and I let him to cry. And I thought about that day over and over and over again. And I walked up to this man, and I said, Hey, I, I'm Will Dyer, and I know you might not remember this, but... But one day, I ripped your book bag. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry I was mean to you. I'm sorry I was cruel. I'm sorry I didn't stand up for what was right. And he looked at me, and he said, I know who you are, and I forgive you. I'm glad you're doing well. (sighs) And I was freed. I was freed from a burden that I carried justifiably so, and forgiveness in that moment was something he extended to me, and it was good, and it was true, and it was beautiful. Sometimes forgiveness is about other people. And I wonder... Who do you need to forgive today? Who do you need to forgive so that burden can be lifted off of their shoulders and so that they can live in a better way? Who has done you wrong? And today you'll send that email. Today you'll send that text message or make that phone call. Who can you forgive today? so that they might be freed to live in a better, richer, fuller way. Today's the day. But you know, we need to extend forgiveness to people. We truly do. But the the other thing I want you to know is that forgiveness is about other people on the one hand. And forgiveness... Contrary to what we have often been told does not mean forgetting. To forgive does not mean to forget. Far too many of us, we were raised with this idea that when you tell someone I forgive you, what that means is you forget everything that they've ever done. You act as though it never happened and it will never happen again. And friends, that's a caricature of what true forgiveness is. That's not what it means. Sometimes to forgive means to remember. Sometimes to forgive it means to remember. One of my favorite Proverbs says it like this, that like a dog returns to his vomit, so a fool returns to his folly. Like a dog returns to his vomit, so a fool returns to his folly. There are people in our lives, no matter how many times we forgive them, they're going to go back and do the same things they've always done. And so for some of you, to forgive does not mean to forget, but to forgive means to remember. And I forgive you today for the wrong that you have done, and I'm going to construct some boundaries. You've treated me terribly, and I forgive you for that, and I wish you well, but I'm not going to allow you to do it any longer. Forgiving doesn't mean forgetting. Forgiving oftentimes means remembering. And if you're here, if you're watching online and you are in an abusive relationship, whether it be physical or verbal, emotional, forgiving doesn't mean forgetting, but you need to leave. You need to get out as quickly as you can. You don't forget, but you remember. And you wish them well, and you say, I love you, I forgive you, but you can no longer be a part of my life. I've done that with a number of people because their energy was killing me and draining me. And you know exactly what I'm talking about. See, to forgive doesn't mean to forget, to forgive means to remember. I wish you well, but you can no longer be a part. Of my life. Those three words, I forgive you, they matter because other people need to hear it. But not only do other people need to hear it, so often forgiveness isn't about the other person, but forgiveness is, in fact, about us. Forgiveness is about me, and forgiveness is about you. I heard a saying not so long ago that I really just love. I don't know who the author is, but talking about the power of those three words, I forgive you, he says this, to forgive someone is to set the prisoner free only to recognize that you were that prisoner. (laughs) Forgiveness sometimes is about other people, but oftentimes forgiveness is about us. And when we refuse to forgive someone else for what they have done, for how they have slighted us, for how they have let us down, then we become a prisoner of our own thoughts. Sometimes forgiveness is about us. A good friend of mine, I was talking to her a few weeks ago, And she was talking about her previous job. She was talking about the job that she was at for five years and she had just been let go. She'd been fired from her job because they were downsizing and she was just venting to me. Talking about how much she hated her boss. How vindictive the boss was. How the boss had pretended to be her friend only to then stab her in the back and treat her poorly. Now, keep in mind... This friend of mine has already moved into a new job. She's already doing beautifully in this new work. And yet, sitting there in a conversation, rather than talking about the goodness in front of her, the only thing she could talk about was the anger and the hate and the vengeance she had for her former boss. And so I stopped her after a few moments and I said, hey, I got a question. Does your boss know this stuff? And she said, no. And I said, so you've never told them that this is how you feel? And she said, no. Why would I do that? And I said, because you're giving her free rent inside of your brain. And instead of focusing on the goodness in front of you, you are fixated on the brokenness behind you told my friend, stop giving her free rent. You need to call. You need to tell them you're angry, and then you need to say those three revolutionary words. I forgive you. And it wasn't about them, but it was about her. And beautifully in this story, what she did did was she ended up calling her boss and telling her how she felt and moving forward. And the boss genuinely said to her, I'm sorry. I didn't know that's how you felt. I'm sorry. Sometimes forgiveness is about other people. And other times forgiveness is about us. And it's that way in big things, but then it's also that way in so many small areas in our lives. I got permission to tell you the story that I'm about to share. This was about two months ago. And Sarah and I both are off on Fridays. The girls are all in school, and my wife and I, we get a day just to ourselves, And sometimes that day consists of lunch and a date and we go out and we have fun. But oftentimes those Fridays together, they're they're a day where we clean the house, where we straighten up our lives, where we pay bills, we do our budgets. We do the things that you need to do in order to function. Well, on this particular Friday, we had a busy day. The house was a mess. The budget wasn't done. And I got up that morning and I said to Sarah... Sarah, I think I'm going to go play golf today. Is that okay? And, and she said, sure. Sure, sure you, you can go play golf. And so I did. I teed off at 8.30 in the morning. And, and I played beautifully that day. And I came home from my round. It was around lunchtime. And I made a sandwich, and I see Sarah just sitting there. And I said, babe, how was your day? It was good. Uh, did you get a lot done? Yeah. And I said, are, are you okay? And she said, yeah. Yeah, I'm fine. One word here, one word there. And hours passed and hours passed. And every so often I would stop and I would say, babe, I'm, I'm sorry that I went and played golf. I won't do it again. Is everything okay? Yes. Yes, everything's fine. And so I believed her, and I told her, okay, I'm not going to ask again. Everything's okay. You promise, right? Yes, it's fine. And then we lay down in bed at 1030 at night. And when I cut off the lights, and I close my eyes, and I hear her say it. Will, don't ever do that to me again. Don't ever go and play golf again. I have been mad at you all day long. Will, how could you do that? We had things we needed to get done. You shouldn't have gone and played golf. And I was just getting ready to go to sleep. I asked her, I said, babe, babe, I, I, I told you I was Sorry. I asked if everything was okay, and she said to me, Will, it doesn't matter. You shouldn't have done that. And all day long, I didn't know it. But she was carrying that anger. She was carrying that spite. She was carrying that, how could he go and do that thing? I was taking up rent in her head. Will, I forgive you, but don't ever go and do that again. Will, I forgive you, and I'm not going to allow you to take up that free rent in my head, but I forgive you, and I ask that you do better in the future. That's what we got to eventually, and we committed ourselves to doing better in the future. You guys know how that goes, right? Yeah. An entire day wasted. An entire day filled with possibility and goodness and hope. Wasted. Because we don't want to say those three words. I forgive you. And I walked away, and I promise you, I won't play golf on Fridays again. And we walked away and she won't carry that burden forward another day because we're honest and we're transparent and we are sharing with each other. And sometimes, as Sarah learned on that day, forgiveness isn't about the other person, but forgiveness is about me and forgiveness is about you. If you want this year to be your best year yet, I wonder, can you say those three revolutionary words? In the Sermon on the Mount, that great teaching of Jesus that I mentioned to you almost every week, Jesus is talking to us about how we should live in right relationship with each other. And there's a section where he says, hey, listen, if you find yourself going to the temple, if you find yourself going to worship, if you're going to church to translate Jesus to our language, if you're going to church and you remember in your mind that you are holding a grudge against someone or they are holding a grudge against you, then here's what I want you to do. I want you to turn around and I want you to go home. And I want you to make it right. And only then should you come back and celebrate the goodness of God. Jesus asks us, to begin the process of forgiveness today, to begin the process of reconciliation right now. And so my question for you as we seek to live well in 2021 today, can you be a person of forgiveness? I forgive you. I forgive you and I love you. Because Christ loved us, so let us forgive and love each other. That's our challenge today and tomorrow. Will you forgive? Let's take a moment now. Let's pray together. God, we are grateful for this morning, for the opportunity to come and be here. And, oh, God, for so many who are watching online, forgiveness is not something that we do. We live in a culture of anger and hatred, of vindictiveness, where people are so bitter. God, forgiveness is not something we do. But today, today, oh God, open our hearts and help us to see who do we need to forgive for their sake and for our own. And God, give us the grace to go and seek that forgiveness today. God, Paul says to forgive each other as Christ has forgiven us. Help us to know deep down in the depths of our bones, O God, that our forgiveness to other people is because first and foremost, you love us, you've forgiven us. God, help us to share your grace with the world today. Who do we need to forgive? Show us now, O God. This is our prayer